spent some time last time with Romans chapter 3, where God was talking about faith, but talking about it very specifically as a law. A lot of times what we're doing in our culture is we treat law like it's a theory. We treat evolution like it's a law and faith like it's a theory. It's the other way around. Evolution is a theory, now a debunked theory. Faith is a law. A law that has absolutely no contradiction to it. Even when you fly an airplane in the air, you are not, you're, you haven't erased gravity. Right. You are just using gravity in a way that makes plane, a plane fly. Yeah. So there is no escaping the principle of gravity in our world. I think we all know that as we partake of Christmas dinner, that we know we're going to pay a high price <laughs> if we have that extra bowl of ice cream or whatever. Because we know that gravity is an indisputable law. And that's what each one of us have to grab onto. What we're often trying to do as we are relating to faith is we are trying to customize our faith lifestyle to something that fits us. The problem with that is that it doesn't work that way. We have to customize ourselves to fit into the law of faith, because the law of faith is immovable. And so a lot of times what happens, especially as culture begins to change. Now, I remember back in the day, we used to have comments like this. You say, well, you act like an Italian, or you're, you know, those French people, or, you know, oh yeah, you're one of those Hispanics, and all of these, referring that there is a certain profile or a certain ethnicness to the, and there was. I mean, you could go to Europe and you could have somebody from Switzerland and somebody from Germany and somebody from France and somebody from Italy who live within a couple hundred miles of each other, but they were separate and distinct groups. And each one of those cultures took on a certain flavor depending on the environment that they grew up in. That type of thing is really becoming less and less in our world, as you young people are probably discovering because of the fact that we're living in a global culture now, that global culture is making everybody very similar in the way they understand things. Because we're all experiencing the same YouTube video at the same time. We're all growing up just as much with uh, Canadians or Americans as our neighbor as we are having people from China or India as be our neighbor. And so we're certainly cross-pollinating a lot of these cultures. What matters about that is that it doesn't, it, as faith does not care what culture you came from. It doesn't matter whether you were trained up in a way that was going to be likely to work well with the ways of faith or not. And this is what we have to talk about. We're, we're going to talk about wild people today. Now, wild is a great name if you're developing like, let's say, a cosmetic company or something like that, where you want to give it the flavor of organic and fresh and all of these type of things. But when it's talking about a plant that you're saying that's a wild strawberry bush or a wild apple tree, what you're saying about that product is that it is unruly. It just doesn't have any definition. What just goes and does whatever it wants by itself. What you're also saying about that tree is that it doesn't bear very good fruit. If you've ever had 
uh, uncultured apples, they're tiny and they're sour because they're just growing wild. Matter of fact, the tree doesn't even care about the fruit that it produces. It's trying to get big and compete for sunlight against everything else that is around it. It couldn't care less about it. A lot of humans are like that today. They're just wild people. They're just doing whatever they wanna do, however they wanna do it. You know, I'm observing, I'm, it's very interesting for me because I meet a lot of people and I'm around a lot of people, particularly now at Victory here where we're having a lot of babies showing up. <laughs> and I'm, I'm watching, I'm listening to, I'm not making fun of you if you happen to be one of these parents that I'm, a, that you're, I'm not talking about you if you think that I am. Well, I am talking about you, but I'm talking about you as kind of like a large group. Let's put it like that. One of the things that we do, you know, how many of you here, parents do this, you know, they compare when their child reads, when they talk, when they walk, when they poop on their toilet by themselves and all these kinds. And these are little markers that people use to gauge how well their child is doing. And two moms getting together, you're probably going to hear them compare dates and when did they do this and when did they do that. Can I tell you what we're doing nowadays? The big competition is who knows how to use social media earliest in life. Like who can use an iPhone or an iPad or who can scroll through YouTube videos or how young are you when you do that? Can I tell you something? When faith is the principal thing, it's the most important thing that we learn to do. What that should be translating into is that when we train up our children, The most important thing that we train them in is a culture represented by a lifestyle of faith. Because it's more important that a person learns to walk by faith and do the things that faith requires us to do in order to learn it and flow in it than it is that we learn how to connect to a social media device. I remember in my day, I make fun of the young ones nowadays, but my day was the same thing. It was more important by far for me to learn how to drive a car than it was for me to walk by faith. I didn't even know there was such a thing back then, but let's say there was a thing back then. I would have been consumed by the fact that I need to learn how to drive a car. That's the big deal. But what, and and maybe you're saying, well, it's more important that we learn mathematics. Not that I don't think you should learn mathematics, but we train ourselves in all of these different ways of doing things. But then when we discover now, as we come later in life, we would discover what does it mean to really walk by faith? We're recognizing that we don't, our lives, our culture, our way of doing things does not really align itself well to the way of faith or the things that you need to be doing in order to uh, be successful in the ways of faith. So at what we now need to do is each one of us have to begin to understand my life is going to have to be trained, uh, matured, uh, uh, harnessed, governed, molded. So far, how am I doing? Y'all, anybody liking any of these words? This is the problem, is that there is a, there's a way to live life, a culture of faith where you do certain things and live certain ways and do and don't do things, certain things, aligning things that most of us growing up in a North American culture 
are not at all, uh, it's not an automatic way of doing things. Does that make sense? Like for me, when I first have a problem, my first inclination is to freak out about that problem because I don't know the answer to the problem. And then after I finish freaking out about the problem, I usually retreat into a man cave somewhere so that I can think. I can go through my Rolodex to figure out how do I fix this problem. And then after I've exhausted myself, I finally come out with some kind of a concoction of a solution and then go ahead and try to fix the problem with a sledgehammer and a reciprocating saw. <laughs> I, I, I forgot to ask God what the answer was in the middle of that. I forgot to think about what's the truth of this perspective. What, what's really going on here? Why? Because when I was raised, in my raising, it didn't, I didn't have that peace. And so I'm just, that's just not my way. It's just not the river of my life doesn't flow that way. Not because it couldn't have flowed that way, but it doesn't. So as we are looking at these things, it's kind of like for me, when you find out how simple it is to walk by faith and live by faith, it's like the easiest thing in the whole wide world. Anybody can do it, like a child can do it. The problem is, is that our lives aren't aligned to it. So I'm gonna tell you to do something and you'll go, yeah, okay, let's do that, and then you won't. I'm not prophesying to you, but unless you align your life to it and say, okay, I, this, is not my, this is not easy for me by nature. It's not easy for me by habit, by, by ritual, or by routine. And so I won't, it, I'll, I'll listen to a great message, but I won't align myself to the message thinking that it's okay, I can leave this part out. You know, it's like the guy rebuilding an engine. Like I did it one time when I was, I tried it one time when I was a kid at Datsun B210, if you know him, but yellow-ish. It's, and anyway, so I thought timing belt broke, so I thought you could just take them apart and put them back together again. I had like 65 pieces left over. How many of you think that's bad? That's not funny, right? Like I got a bunch of little pieces. That, I'm sure they're not necessary, right? No, every single piece is necessary. That's how this works. And it's not a lot. There's not 50,000 pieces. There's, there's like four. The problem is, is that those four don't really align, or let's say it like this, none of us are aligned well to all of them. Yeah. Everybody is going to have to find the one that they don't do well and get, get them, like mold themselves in a some way or another in order to become proficient at this thing. Because the problem that you have with the way of faith it's kind of like, you know, Jesus' example in Mark 4 and Luke 8 and Matthew 13, where he's talking about the seed being planted. If you want to go all the way on, let's say, an apple tree from a seed to a bushel of apples, that's just not going to happen happenstance. It's actually quite a complicated process. And so... That's the same way that it works with our heart. As you go through the, di the, the, the this are what is now our very famous diagram here, going from understanding all the way to 30, 60, and 100 fold, that process has to be done properly. It's very easy to do. It's just we're not so good at it because we haven't been trained in any of the things that we need to be trained into. So as we then go and study them, recognize what you're looking for isn't the thing that you are already good at. 
It's the thing that you aren't any good at. It's okay that you're not good at it. Everybody in here is going to not be good at something. But you have to focus on that area or else you're going to say faith doesn't work. And it does work. It works absolutely every time. The problem is we haven't really understood the simple things that need to be done as we go down that, go down that road. Um, so let's talk about some baby steps. Tr to learn how to do this, everything in life works by seeds, and there are particularly two types of seeds, words and deeds. So everything in your life is being governed by the seeds that you sow. Whether those seeds are your words or your deeds, both your words and your deeds are producing your future. Also, what's happening in this curve as you move through from one end to another, this is what I refer to as the confession curve. What this piece is right here. As you are going through this curve, what you have to be focused in on is your confession. What is it that you are saying? At every different stage, you're going to be pressured to say things that you shouldn't say. If you say them, it's kind of like snakes and ladders. Uh, excuse me. Shoots and ladders, updated. Snakes and ladders in my world, shoots and ladders, if that happens to be where you were politically correct world. What happens when you make a negative confession, when you say something that you shouldn't say, you don't go back to the beginning again necessarily unless you keep hitting shoots over and over and over again, then you do go back to the beginning again. But you, d you just basically go back a step and you have to go and re reclaim that territory. Right. And what happens is, is that a process that could take you a month will take you a year. Now, that doesn't mean you should quit. After you said what you shouldn't say, you got no choice. You can either go back and quit and, you know, say this stuff doesn't work. A lot of people do that. But, or we just get back in the game and we just lost the yardage. Now we have to reclaim that yardage. It's not that we can't make it. I, what I believe very strongly is, is that we had some understanding and we do some of the things, even though what I'm going to say to you today is going to be like, okay, I'm, this is culturally not acceptable to me. If you instead say, I'm not fighting against the law of faith anymore. I'm just going to start the process of aligning myself to the ways of faith as if I was born into a world that was already everybody living by faith, which is how God would have the kingdom operating in the earth right now. So that when we're children, two years old, we're coming into a culture that is already a culture ready to train you on how to live by faith. It's quite, especially when you find out how simple it is, uh, it's just stopping the, stopping the process. That's going to be the key in, in our lives, in our, in our communities, and in our families. We have to stop the process so that we can kind of let the thing settle and then plow the ground and let a new harvest come up. Remember in, uh, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus talks about the kingdom as the, uh, in, in such a way that, you know, Jesus comes and sows all good seed, but then guess what? Someone else shows up and sows bad seeds. 
intentionally trying to pollute the ground uh, of our hearts. And so we recognize that even though we're trying to sow good seeds, we're still going to have stuff to deal with. If we're not even trying to fix our garden and to you know, clean it out, we're going to find that the process is not going to work well. That's the problem that's going on in our world today. As people try to walk by faith, but they're bombarded by all kinds of inner perceptions that are preventing them from doing this very easily. Until you set yourself to say, I'm going to learn how to do this. As you'll find out when if I get done today in time, uh, the, the vision for what you're doing needs to be very clear at the beginning. If you have any kind of a, a idea what you're looking to accomplish from learning this, you should be making it very clear to yourself. I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to become a person who lives by faith, not some amalgamation or hybrid version or whatever these type of things that are going on today. I'm going to do it by faith. And so there's a couple of things that we need to be aware of then. This area, remember there's, an, there's a whole group of, a massive group of people that when the word comes to them, they reject the word. Or they don't reject the word, they just don't understand it. How many of you remember that from level one in Mark chapter four? Level one is level zero, really. The person didn't make it to level one. Jesus preached to a whole bunch of people, but only a few came in and actually said, Jesus, what are you talking about? I, I get something here. And so these people here are motivated by pride. Now that's, again, that's kind of like rude of me to say, but it's not really, I'm not meaning it in a, in a, in a, in a derogatory sense. I'm just saying that that person's mind already thinks it knows the answer to all the questions. So when somebody comes along and they, and they tell them something else, they're not open to listen to that. Okay, so remember, now in this place, the, the question is kind of like, as I go through here, what should you be saying? At this stage here, you should be saying nothing. You should be listening. A person who talks a lot, uh, talks a lot because they're not interested in what the other person has to say. Whether, now, don't say there's introverts and extroverts here. I mean, extroverts are going to be better at talking and introverts better at listening. But either group of people, can I say, I don't want to go here. <laughs> we do this thing like extroverts are over here and introverts are over here. These people are good talkers. These people are good listeners. So each of us want to say, well, am I an introvert or am I an extrovert? You don't want to be polarized in these things. I want to be here so that I can communicate, because also introverts become such good thinkers that they think themselves into depression. Know anybody? These guys, it's all about how you deal with your inner workings. What we want to do is I need to learn, Tina's an extrovert, uh, Pastor Tina's an extrovert, I learn how to communicate better by listening to her communicate. She learns how to listen better and, and think through things better by watching me do it. We learn together into the middle. That's why God brings opposites together. As we bring opposites together, I'm, I was way out here. I get drugged into the middle. She was way out here. She gets drugged into the middle. And we are, is that uh, in this stage here, dragged. it's very important that we are developed in our ability to listen. That's not a, that's not a universal skill. And can I tell you, in our world today, 
it's becoming less and less a skill of being able to listen. We live life at 140 characters at a time. We have very low attention span. Where I think Dr. Ed was here a couple of months ago and he said that goldfish have a longer attention span than the average human being. That's not good. It's funny, but it's not good. That you have to actually learn how to listen. Now, you may be naturally a good listener, but there are people around you that aren't naturally good listeners. And so when information comes to them, they're very distracted. And so because you're easily distracted, you, you aren't, shouldn't even say it like that. You are not easily distracted. You may not have developed the mental ability yet to remain focused and attentive for long periods of time. But you can learn that skill. That's an important skill. That's what I'm saying. Our culture, especially the young ones that are coming through today, imagine the, the, their, their brains as they learn by the speed of, their, of the scroll, as they're going through the feed that comes at them, or the movie, you know, visio, uh, media environments that are going so quickly that they don't actually have to learn how to focus. That's why reading books is a good idea, to learn how to read a book. A lot of people can't read very well because they don't, their focus is bad. It doesn't matter. You can learn how to do it, is what I'm trying to share with you here. I'd love to be nice at the end of the year, but this is what I got, okay? Because I really want, I really believe that this ability to walk by faith is the most important thing. I, I really believe that. And so why would we try to do it if we don't really buy into the whole vision of what we're trying to do. Can I say that? Is that, is that, is that a nice way to say it? The, let's just do, let's just find out what it takes to do it and, and it's easy, okay? Then level number two comes in here where you understand it and then there's tribulation, persecution, let's just say storms that come up in here. As Many of you know level two goes into this persecution and tribulation season that comes to steal the word. What am I supposed to do? What is my confession doing at that point? What I need to do here is I need to be saying what I want. Or as Romans 4 tells us, calling those things that be not as though they already are. If you, can I promise you something? If you don't do this through the storm, the storm will overpower you. And it won't be long until the snakes or the shoots and ladders process has got you right back to the beginning so many times that you're fed up with the process. You cannot be, you, the key to this is not to spend a whole lot of time in this section right here. This is the section that is hard. It's, it's, it's grueling. You want to be able to somehow get through this process as quickly as is possible. The, best, the only way you do it, I'm not going to say this one, but I can write it. You, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gift that not a lot of North Americans have developed. 
we've developed the, 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 the ability to react almost instantly to situations. You know, can I tell you something? To, there's, a, there's, a, there's a physical law, and if there's a physical law, you know there's a spiritual law. The physical law is to every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. When you make a decision to do something, you're not supposed to be re re responding out of emotion. You're supposed to be predicting the response that you get to the decision that you make and make sure the response that you get is the one you want. Yes, Anybody can go and spit in somebody's face. <laughs> but if you're going to spit in somebody's face, you first should consider whether they're carrying a gun or not. Because you're going to get a reaction from spitting in somebody's face. Does that make sense? Yes. Oftentimes, what we, learn, we don't even learn to do that anymore. We're never even watchful of what the responses are going to be and do I actually want the response. Yeah. And so in my life, if I'm having an emotional moment, something is going on, a storm is coming up in my life, I'm going to feel like if I just go to my wife and blame it on her, then I'm going to feel better. But if I watch it the last 72 million times I've done it, when I complain to her and say it's her fault, it just makes the storm worse. Now I have two storms to deal with. Does everybody, does everybody recognize what I'm talking about? I'm not saying that she's, that, that's good or bad. I just, I shouldn't have done what I did. Complaining to somebody about a situation doesn't change the situation. It just makes the situation worse. I'm starting to believe that I'm right because I've complained about it so many times. I'm now convincing myself that the way my perspective is that I should complain is actually the right perspective. And it's not. You see, this is the, this is the place here. This one here was motivated by pride. This level here is motivated by emotion. Typically negative emotion. <laughs> Introverted people, what they do to handle their emotions is think more. Extroverted people say more as a mechanism for releasing their emotions. And because we've learned that, matter of fact, our, our culture celebrates uh, unbridled thinking and unbridled emotions. Because you are feeling those emotions, what we should do is we should share it with each other on, on a on social media platform. Instead of not doing that, if you ever like watch old movies from like olden times, like back in the, you know, night's time or whatever, 1400, when people, when people are living in hard times, when life is hard, emotions don't matter. That's why if you notice when you go to Africa, those of you that have been to places where it's harder, life is harder, they don't deal with negative emotions. Like you go there and they're all smiling. That's probably the number one thing you'll notice when you first get there is that they emotionally don't do sad because they refuse to, if they start the process, if I'm sad and I go to Sandy and tell Sandy that I'm sad, then he becomes sad. And everybody soon is sad just because I told him I was sad. We're all sad to a degree. We're going to make each other more sad if we talk about the fact that we're sad. The same thing with thinking. 
I had to, you know, I'm one of those guys that thinks all, like, like ruth, ruthlessly, unstoppably. The problem was is that when I used to think, I would think myself into negatives. I would think about the impossibles. I would think about all the wounded things of my heart. And the more I thought about them, the worse the situation got. Until I finally said, okay, I've dealt with it. I didn't deal with it. I just became numb in all of my negative thinking. Anybody looking for numb? No, we're not looking for that. So what we have to do is we have to learn how to mature in the way that we deal with our emotions. And you probably learned to deal with them wrong. Typically, women are more emotional. Not, not that it's, it's not, let me, not, you know, let's not say that. Because it's, it's bearing out not like that anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, everybody is becoming more emotional. In the sense that it's going wild. Everybody is becoming more intellectual in the sense that it's going wild. That's where the problems come in. Is that you're, you've got to work through an emotional and an intellectual process here as you are working through the going from one side of the equation to the other. But if you, as you're working with the emotions and the thoughts, which is the key... The key to the process is it's going to go from your brain down into your heart, not from out here. (laughs) From, I don't know. It's a good tattoo. Anybody want to get it? There you go. The key to this process of changing who you are on the inside is not anything to do with the natural world. Your heart, your spirit, doesn't interact with the natural world. It only interacts with your soul. And your soul's perception of the natural world is what your heart sees, not the real thing. And so when we are... When we are overwhelmed by these negative emotions in our soul. Negative thoughts, negative emotions, all this deep and heavy, fearful, scary, dreadful kind of stuff that's going on inside. And not only does it start out being crappy, excuse my language, but it keeps going down because it's wild. Because there's no stopping it. We've never learned how to stop it. It's, if it's there, it's there. Oh, well, looks like it's going to be a bad day. I woke up with a bad mood. It's going to be bad. You should be able to get out of a bad mood in five minutes. Everything else is just wild. Seriously. There shouldn't be like waking up in a bad mood and it's dinner time and I'm still in a bad mood. I'm mad at you. And five minutes from now, I'm still mad at you. Now I'm choosing to be mad at you. I can fix that. I can fix it easy, just whether I choose to do it or not. I have, to, I have to, these are the disciplines we have to learn or the process didn't work. So this stuff here now is beginning to mature this process of emotions. So it's kind of like an emotional and intellectual maturity or molding. 
or training. I remember, remember, I don't know when it was, six months ago or something like that, we did this 72 hours, you have to be nice. No complaining. No complaining for 72 hours. <laughs> you kind of heard all the, all the oxygen emptied out of the room when I said we had to do that. You know, we're supposed to be nice all the time, right? And so what we have to learn to do is we have to learn that when we get into this season here, you are going to have emotional and intellectual storms going on on the inside of you. And they're going to increase. And so getting through this stage means I must learn how to overcome them. The way I overcome them is so simple, it's crazy. Just keep saying what you want, not what you have. If you keep saying what you've always been saying, you're not changing anything. You have to just be a, be a goof, pretend. This is, if you go back to the series, but well, I don't know when it was now, back. The power of pretending. It is an essential power. If I'm not, if I'm going to, not that you, you may not be pretending, but to you it'll feel like pretending because you're absolutely convinced that the storm is real and it's not. You've you got used to responding to the storm exactly the same way. You just have to start responding to it opposite. So if you think to spit back, don't. The first inclination of the thing that you feel you should say, don't say that one. <laughs> it's, I, I'm sorry that I'm, I'm making this kind of so almost childlike in its training because it's really simple like this. We complicate things. This is where you have somebody in your home that is the confession policeman woman person, where they go and we start looking at each other and say, we're not talking like that anymore. If you have negative emotions, go run. Find some other way to get rid of the negative emotions other than using your mouth. And we all can do that. I would not choose eating, by the way. That would be a bad one. But there's lots of ways. Go for a walk. Go grab a set of weights, go do something with your negative emotion and bottle up your words. This is the most powerful thing that happens on the inside of a human being. When you allow that negative emotion to build up on the inside, you can't do this for a long time, so you gotta fix it. You understand the problem is storing up negative emotions. Turn them positive on the inside. Get the vision, get the, what God did, what did God say? What did God promise? What did he promise? What did he promise? What did he promise? You'll feel on the inside as you talk yourself through that transition of emotion or intellectualism, whichever, whichever you are, and channel it over to the upside. Can I tell you something? Now, your emotional yeah, volcano, hurricane, is going to come out of you in a positive way. As you do that, 
You are just simply biding your time through this process. All I want to do, can I tell you, this is kind of, this is going to set you free. All I want to do is believe at this point the same thing I believed at that point. That's all. Don't even look to be making any real yardage here. Just keep saying, just keep calling those things that be not as though they already are. Over and over and over again. Thank you, Lord, that I live in abundance. Thank you, Lord, that I live in abundance. Thank you, Lord, that I live in abundance. Ding dong, Mrs. Smith is at the door. Thank you, Lord, I live in abundance. Think, think, ring, 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 some 800 number card. Thank you, Lord, I live in abundance. Thank you, Lord, I live in abundance. And just keep going. A thousand times. Just get to the other side without going back to the beginning again. That's all you're looking for here. Then, when you get to this point here, now we are going into the level three where you're dealing with the cares of this world, deceitfulness, the riches, lusts of other things. This is where the, you start to get green fruit. Remember it says in, uh, in Matthew and Mark, it says it becometh unfruitful. That means it was fruitful at one time. There was little bits of fruit that were coming up and solving some little problems of yours. Matter of fact, they usually solve the problem just enough for it to take the pressure off you, but not enough so that it's actually solved. I, had this, I got, used to get so mad at God right here, like ridiculously mad at God. I could have, I could have burned heaven. I was so mad. Because I knew, I knew that I, let's say I needed $1,000 to cover something by tomorrow at four o'clock. And so I'd get there and God would give me $1,100, exactly. That's $100 for the tithe and $1,000 to fix my problem. And I'm thinking to myself, God, you could just as easily have given me the numbers to the lotto lottery as you could have given me the $1,100. And it, I never understood that what was going on is it just, I just got, a, I got through the tribulation. I stayed in the game. I just didn't back away. But then the, the storm was over because I paid the bill. And then I go, oh, honey, let's relax for another 24 days. Instead of realizing I'm not through the equation yet. And then what happens at this point, you actually get bored. Why do you get bored? Because this stage here, is fueled by adrenaline. The storm is gonna take you out. The wolf is at the door. The doctor's report is a bad one. The lawyer just hung up the phone. And adrenaline is now moving you forward. You're either going to sit down and die or you're going to overcome the problem. And the fight or flight mechanism is, alert, is ignited on the inside of you and you decided not to flight, instead you decided to fight. And the energy that you were using, all this negative emotional energy and thought energy was channeled hopefully towards the good to just get up to the place where you still believe where you started from. Now the adrenaline is gone. And what fuels this, what fuels this is discipline, however you spell that. I wrote, I wrote disciple and then I changed it to discipline. It's discipline, it's routine, it's structure, it's focus, it's 
all the things that, stay, that say, I don't feel like reading my scriptures on this point anymore. I don't feel like doing my confessions again. I don't feel like waking up early to pray. I don't feel like praying in tongues. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like picking up my Bible. I just, you know, I need a rest, really. That's just, I got to rest, and I just need to rest. Then what happens is, as the Bible says, the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things, come in, choke it out, and you go back to church to hear the same message for the 975th time, and you still aren't bearing any fruit. Why? Because you're wild. Because you don't want to discipline yourself. Because you don't want to Stop the process of living life in a flow. I just love people that come up to me and say, I'm just a more of a flow person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's okay to be a flow person. Those people are really good in this section. Tina is more of a flow person. I'm more of a, the other kind of person. But she handles negative storms really, really well because she just flows with them and she's able to overcome them very easily because she doesn't get think about them too much. She just flows in it. But she's developed then this. She had to develop this. Learning to be disciplined so that the same confession that I did in the beginning, Father, I call those things that be not as though they are. Call those things that be not as though they already are, already are, already are, already are, already are. I just keep going. Because what's going to happen as I discipline myself, this is, wow, this chart has got crazy here. John chapter 15, verse 2 says, if a, if a tree is bearing fruit, what you should do at that point is let it grow completely wild so that it totally fulfills itself in its natural order. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I have the wrong translation? What does it say? You got to prune it. You got to keep pruning it. As you keep pruning it, it is going to go from bearing green fruit to bearing 30, 60, and 100-fold fruit. What I'm doing in this area here, after I get through the storm, what most people do, especially in this reformative time that we are living in right now, where we need God to invade like everywhere in our life. All I do is go from fire to fire to fire to fire to fire to fire to fire. As soon as the pressure is off on this one, don't worry, somebody's coming in the door with another fire that I need to go attend to. Instead, I can't do that. I've got to stay single focused on this one issue, not to say that I can't start something else. I just can't stop this to start that. I have to keep going up here until the tree becomes so strong that things like the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, less of the weeds, don't have any force on it anymore. Like if you go look at a mature tree in your backyard, there's a bunch of vines hanging around down at the four foot level. And then it's all tree above that. Those vines try as they might, they're, got, they're not gonna hurt the tree because the tree is now big enough. We have to get it going along this process a while still, like one, seven, and 30. One day for this, seven days for this, 30 days for that. One 
year for this, seven years for this, 30 years for that, depending on what it is you're believing for. We have to buy into this being the process. Can I tell you something? Most of the like victory style people, you know, you know too much to leave, but we don't have the discipline yet to get us to this place up here. So we tend to live right down in here. We're the on fire, I wanna serve God, I love God more than anything people. They haven't gotten themselves through to this place. Most people, you're probably super good at enduring storms. So much so that you would describe your life as a storm fighter. That's what I do. I just go from storm to storm and I'm really good at surviving them. That's not what God intended us to do. Living by faith is not surviving storms. Sure, there are always storms that are going to be there, but we should be fighting new ones, not the same ones over and over and over again. So our confession, the things that we say with our mouth, move along this curve so that we maintain our confession all the way through. It's, being, it's accomplishing different things in our soul-heart relationship here. It's doing different things as we move along but that we are doing the simple, just the simple, simplest of things. Just calling those things that be not as though they already are. Just keep doing that. You will move yourself along the curve. And then once you get up here, you will automatically be saying those things. When a storm comes, you're going to say automatically, oh, that's okay, I'll overcome this one too. Because that's the normal way you now think. Your, your understanding of the world used to be like you were trained up in the ways you were trained up, and that was just the way you learned to respond to something. If your mom complained a lot, you complained a lot. If your dad dealt with his negative emotions by going into the man cave and chopping, you probably do that. It's because you've learned how to do it. It doesn't make it the right way to do it. Do you understand? The, what you have to do is we have to then change all of our nurture tools into different nurture tools so that we've learned now to handle these different levels just doing it a different way. I'm not saying that you should go and lie down in all of your negative emotions and you're gonna staple your mouth shut. I just need you to use your mouth, that's the key, but you're using your mouth properly as we go through the curve. Can I give you instructions as we leave 2016? Number one, go to John chapter 15 and verse two, pruning. The pruning process is the process you'll go through to deal with the things that you say. Number one, you got a pencil? Everybody got a pencil? Number one, stop saying and doing negative things. The way you will do that is by using willpower. The stronger your willpower is, which is a muscle and can be developed. People say they don't have much willpower. That's just because you haven't trained it. You haven't used it enough. As you use it more, so have somebody come over and slap you in the face and stand there. Find the person who makes you the maddest and go on vacation with them. And train yourself on not saying the things that you want to say. Stop. Learn the willpower. Put yourself in over-pressured situations to see how well you do. 
Boy, I got lots of amens on that one. As you exercise your willpower, you will get better at it. And you'll learn then how to handle more things at higher levels. If you don't learn how to use willpower to fix a little problem, then when God, and God wants you to be fixing problems a hundred times higher than where you're at right now, but the same kind of pressure to handle that one up there is this here. It's just more like, it's like weights, right? When you're building your physical muscle, what used to be hard 10 pounds, now 100 pounds is hard, but it's the same thing you're doing. You're just trained now to do it with 100 pounds. Number two, so number one was? Okay, good for you. Number two, take note of the things you want to say. Because those are the things that you need to fix. In James chapter 3, it talks to us about the tongue. And it says this, this terrible thing about the tongue. It says, no man can tame his tongue. And that's referring to the fact that unless you do more than just staple your tongue to the roof of your mouth, eventually your negativeness is going to come out your mouth. How many of you have that experience? Usually the day after the preaching, you're pretty good, but then by what? Friday, you've lost all control again. How many of you? What you have to do, what you have to do is engage in the process of transformation. You use your tongue to, uh, to accelerate yourself through the curve. But if you're, not, if you're just using your tongue to, to endure and cope with the problem that you're having, that's not going to be enough. You've got to do it, it with the hope, with the, with the vision of transformation in the process. That way, you're, you're actually getting better. And you're getting, uh, you're, you're, you're not depending on your willpower being eternal. Because it is not. It is only good in short spurts. You can extend it and train it and make it stronger, which you should be doing, but it's still only going to be kind of short spurts, not long-term. This is long-term. Number three, so take note of the things you want to say uh, or do. And probably what's better in the beginning is pay a lot of attention to the things other people are saying to you that you should stop saying or doing. Again, that's kind of like a testy little spot but it's kind of important for you to hear openly hear the perspective of other people I remember Tina used to say this to me do you recognize how often you say the word money and I used to think I don't say that word a lot You're like what? how many of you got you got that one and then I started to notice I was saying the word money a lot because it was on my mind a lot that was not in a positive way, it's a negative way. And so it's a lot of times it's coming out of my mouth in a negative way, and I didn't even realize I was saying it in a negative way. I was just saying what I thought were just the facts. And so you have to be aware that there are people that God has brought into your life that their advice to you, don't let it offend you. They're not trying to hurt your feelings, especially now, if you go to somebody as you should and say, can you kind of give me some feedback on the things that I say? 
Did you ever notice when I'm preaching, I say certain things over and over again, like right or okay? Watch the video. It's like, gosh, can't you stop saying that? I don't even realize I'm saying it, okay? You don't realize your own mouth is doing certain things. You're just taking a pause. When you're pausing, your mouth is going, okay. Same thing happening when you're in a heavy emotional situation. What your brain is trying to do is process its emotion. At the same time, your mouth is saying things that you didn't even know you were saying. Especially when it's hard. Like it's a real something that's really gripped you. Number three, identify your priority list of things you would like to change. This is very, very important. Like make a list of the top 10 things in your life right now that you would like to change and order them in a priority sequence. And then rub out everything from two to 30 and only focus on the first one. Don't try to fix 30 things at one time. It's too much work. The focus that is required to be on the curve is too much to do too many things. Only pick the thing that you would say is my highest priority. Because your highest priority, you think it's universal, it's not universal. Everybody has a different highest priority. That highest priority has more to do with your destiny than the second most important thing on your list. So fixing the one you think is of highest priority is an important thing to fix because you feel it in such a strong way. Then finally, uh, number four is get a mentor. Uh, what do you call them, peace people? Accountability partner. Somebody who is going to be, you're gonna go and tell them, okay, uh, Tina, this is what I wanna do is I'm gonna start watching my mouth when it comes to uh, my health. So every time I make a negative confession about my health, I want you to call it out. That's gonna be a little hard at first because I'm gonna to wanna to swing and spit when you say something, but I really want you to do that for me because I don't think I recognize how many times I say, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. Oh, this hurts so bad. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna... You don't, you don't even realize how often you say it. But you're using the curve in the upside down way. You're actually making yourself tired by saying that you're always tired. And so you wanna hear what that person has to say in order for you to identify and work through the process quickly. I say this as an acronym, as, uh, as a euphemism, is nobody gets to the Olympics without a coach. The way you speed up the process is the humility process of submitting yourself to somebody that you trust is out for your best interest. Can I say something else about mentors? You earn your mentors. So if you ask somebody to be a mentor of yours and you beat them up and stab them in the heart every time that they say something to you, don't be surprised if you don't have anybody that wants to mentor you. So you earn your mentors. And when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So if you can't find a mentor, work on why you're not a very good student. And then you'll find that lots of mentors will show up for you. And so you rec but we have to recognize that this is a difficult process for us as North Americans to go through. That's why we've heard faith now for 30 years. And I would have thought by now, faith would have taken over the world but it hasn't. 
And the reason it hasn't is because of go, what it takes to go through this curve. Some people are good at understanding and, and, and listening. Other people are good at enduring and persevering. Other people are good at discipline and focus. It's very unusual. Never met anybody really good at all three of these. Everybody has to learn something. Most of us in North America, if I can summarize, because we have not learned emotional, intellectual maturity very well, we haven't learned how to stay inside of a very thin band, we find this whole process like torture. And so let me just close with this. As we go in, so shall I close? Oh, look, it's zero, zero, zero. Look, I was right on time. Um, as we close out, I'll talk about this when we get back together next Wednesday, but as we close out 2016, can I ask you to focus on what the Lord has been saying to you specifically over 2016? Not the challenges, although there's been lots. What's God saying to you? What's his direction in your life when it comes to why have you been here sitting through these teachings on faith and really getting it in a paint by numbers kind of a way is because I believe God is asking you to do something great. He's asking you to step into a level of harvest in 2017, but that harvest requires us to just simply use this process and step out of the misery of not seeing our destiny coming to pass and stepping into the place where we can get it to be a little bit more in focus for us. So you'll take this weekend, we gave you Sunday off, as many of you know, that's how kind we are. But I would suggest that you use the time. Sunday is still God's day, New Year's Day is still God's day. So I would recommend that you take New Year's Day and step into what the analysis of what your priority is going to be for 2017. We're going to talk a lot about the very practical things that are necessary to work through this curve. As you get the practical tools of what you'll need, if you have your number one priority and you're working it, the reason that Pastor Tina and I understand a bit about how this curve works is because we've lived it. We know what it feels like to go through different stages. If you've never gone through it, you know, it can be a little bit thin icy to, to, to do it. But we're gonna try and help you with a lot of the tools that you're gonna need in order to really see God do something so extraordinary in your life in 2017. But if you come on Wednesday and you didn't do the what is my number one priority, then you may find that you're not really sure what it is that you're doing or why. And that may hinder your ability to really step in when it comes to the new year. Does that make some sense to everybody? I hope I wasn't too tough on you tonight. I was going to be celebratory. Can we wave the flags for New Year's? But let me tell you something. I know God is doing something amazing for us as a congregation, having gone through and got the black and whites of faith settled in 2016. And so I know that God is waiting and ready for us to just do the simple thing he's asking us to do so that he can do something amazing for us. Amen.